Welcome to the Super Sentai Brothers. This is episode 36 of For Your Eyes, O-Ranger, the internet's best and only podcast dedicated to Cherokee Sentai O-Ranger. Every week we watch an episode of the show and we share our thoughts with you, the listener. My name is Matt Jay and with me as always is my co-host and brother Dave. Dave, how are you doing today? I am. I'm doing pretty well. Nice, nice. Yeah, I'm just uh, kind of gearing back, first day back to school tomorrow. Oh, wow. So, yeah. That definitely snuck. I mean, it snuck upon me. You were probably paying a lot yeah, more attention. Yeah, no, it did. It always does, man. And it's very strange because before school starts, there's always a feeling like, oh, man, this is uh, just I got to get back to you got to go back and blah, blah, blah. And then by the end of the day on Monday, it's like you know, you're just back. Right. Like, it's not some weird torture thing. Like, it's a job that right, you have no, and have been job. doing for years. Right, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, it is. You it's know, not the, like the, you're the day, going back to prison. Right. The day beforehand is always a weird transition day. I mean, you just, you know, you just go and then you go. Yeah. Uh, but Dave, you know what we're going to go do today is we are going to watch episode 36 of Cherokee Sentai O-Ranger. It is called... And I promise you that I'm not making this up. It is called A Direct Hit with Flatulence. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so I actually already watched this episode. Like, uh-huh. I already watched it. And um, Can we, I mean, okay, Dave, real talk. Can we dispense with the fiction that when we are taking a break, that's us, like, getting up to watch the show? Because we well, have not done this be. show like that in like two years. Yeah, no, that used to be the case. We just figured, guys, we just figured out that the timing of that was a lot weirder. It's just much harder to to block the time out. So usually what that time is is actually like a quick restroom stop and maybe grab a cold bevy. Yeah. Uh, and that's what's happening during that time. It's still like it's still mentally important to me to have that break in the middle of the episode. But yeah, it is genuinely it weird like, otherwise. Uh, we have not done the show like that in years. Anyways, um, uh, the title for this episode is very good and very accurate. Weirdly is... accurate. Yeah. I mean, okay, this is such a specific title that there was no way that it could be <laughs> one of those like misleading ones, you know? Well, okay, it was either going to be perfect or make no sense. Sure. And it was perfect. But and it was will, perfect. So. We will get to that in a few minutes, Dave. But first, as always, of course... Uh, Shining in the heavens, there are five stars. What, oh what, is our first star of the week? So our first star of the week, Matt, is I... Okay. So you're familiar with Shakira, right? Of the famously honest hips, right? Yeah, yeah. So I was watching Her hips and George Washington are really on the the Mount Rushmore of honesty. I guess Mm -hmm. George Washington is also on the Mount Rushmore of Mount Rushmore, but... Of actual Mount Rushmore? Yeah, well... (laughs) I feel like putting Shakira's hips on Mount Rushmore would be, I don't know. That seems like a weird endeavor. Anyways. I mean, I guess what you would have to do is have like another taller mountain right behind yeah. it. And have mm-hmm. the, like Shakira's hips on level with the other faces where the rest, but of, then Shakira, the rest of Shakira like, towers yeah. above it. Which actually I think would be a good look anyway. <laughs> so uh, this is, so it was, I wasn't watching Shakira. I mean, listen. Have I ever bought a Shakira album? Yes, I have. So don't I don't want to front like I'm like Shakira, but that's not the point of this story. Sure, because I was what I was listening to is the soundtrack for Bahubali, which is amazing. Okay, uh, but the ad before it is the thing that I really want to talk to. Is this the second time we've had a star about a YouTube ad? Yes, it, it is, and I'll. I'll stop talking. Yeah, well, because we did have John Daly's Grip It and Rip It. Or Grip It oh, and Sip It? Oh, yes. Grip It and Sip It. Grip It, Rip yeah, It, and Sip um, It. And I'll stop talking about them when they stop being insane. So that's my promise to you. So I'm watching. It's the ad, and it's one of the ones you can't skip. So I'm like, I'm in for the duration of this, like, 20-second ad. So the first 18 and a half seconds of this ad are Shakira, and she's singing a song, and there is a dude there and it's a fairly standard Shakira video. Like, she's a very attractive lady. She's on the beach. She's dancing. There's, like, this very catchy uh, music. She's singing along. 
part of the time she's it's like shifting between black and white and color and there's a dude there and sometimes they're dancing together and sometimes like very standard uh shakira sure stuff like if you're familiar with shakira like you know it's it's pretty pretty baseline shakira it's the last one and a half seconds of this ad that i need to talk about matt because right before the ad ends the screen fades to black mm-hmm. and then it just says presentado por which is spanish for presented for or by i think presentado por denny's and then it's you just mean the like denny's. The, the, the american 24-hour diner restaurant yeah like moons over miami denny's okay presentado por denny's now, Dave, I have a very important question. And and no, that was it. That was the end of it. Okay. Now, I don't speak Spanish well. It's been a long time since it's I've studied it. It's been a long it. time, yeah. Um, have you done any research into whether or not the song that she was singing was a Denny's-themed song? And this was okay. just a like weirdly hidden Denny's commercial that you didn't notice until the end? No. Here is here is what I found out. Because I, I had to do a little bit of digging. Denny's was running or is running, I guess, a sweepstakes wherein you can, the grand prize is airfare to a Shakira concert. Okay. Backstage passes, like front row seats and backstage passes. The front and the back. And, and Matt, a $200 gift certificate to Denny's. <laughs> <laughs> and like, what more could you want? What more could you want? And what I don't like... Maybe it's because of where I live, or maybe I don't frequent Denny's. No, I frequent Denny's as exactly as many times as I should. That was a bad sentence, but you undertake my meaning. I'm at Denny's precisely as often as I should be, which is never, which is exactly how many times anyone should be at Denny's. Hey, man, I, I, I will tell you what. I have I've not had some go- good times in a Denny's. Right. I have not gone to Denny's in a grip, but there was a stretch of time where I would do like the 2 a.m. Denny's. And just like, I remember one time, I just went to Denny's with our buddy Josh, uh, and he just told me, like, step by step, the plot of, like, the entire Dune saga. Dune Uh, is a long story. We were at Denny's for a long time, Dave. It doesn't close. So here's, okay, Denny's is a little bit weird, because I feel like Denny's is the only restaurant where the B team is the team that's on during the day. Like, normally, if you've got a place where, like, there's a there's there's very long hours like the norm the daytime is when all the good people are there and then they bring in like the b team at night and i feel like denny's is the reverse if you go to denny's at like two in the morning that's when like a beautiful diner maestro is behind the grill if you go at like noon that's not that food isn't worth eating oh no anyways maybe it's just because of where i live or whatever but in my mind the overlap between like people who are into Denny's and people who are into Shakira is is zero. I'm also thinking about how much time it would take me to burn through a two hundred dollar Denny's gift certificate. Because like the food at Denny's is fairly inexpensive. Like it's not. Yeah, like, you, you would only have to eat, eat so much of it. I would have to go to Denny's like every day for a month to blow through two hundred bucks. You know, I feel like what I would be most likely to do. Is go to like I would try to sell it like that. I think is the best. <laughs> it's like I will give you a two hundred dollar Denny's gift certificate for one hundred dollars like, of dollars, dude. A cool. I would give it to you for like a cool forty dollars <laughs> <laughs> because that is enough money for me to go eat at a decent restaurant. <laughs> um, I just couldn't like. But the fact that there was no additional information, just like 18 and a half seconds of Shakira, one and a half seconds of Denny's, zero interaction between those two things. Okay, so, um, I mean, listen, as we said earlier, Shakira's hips do not lie, but that doesn't mean that they need to give you all available information. It just means that they're true. not they allowed be, to deceive it's you. It's a technical truth. Right. right? <laughs> there are two Shakiras. One hips only lie, one's hips only tell the truth. Which you one can ask will give one you a question. $200 Denny's gift certificate. 
Um, so anyways, Matt, what is our second star of the week? Dave, our second star of the week is that I came home last night from your place. I was over uh, visiting. Uh, Producer Mark was in town. We are hanging out. Yeah, it was great. We are talking. Actually, we are doing a lot of Sentai conversation yesterday. We were. We're all working on that uh, aforementioned secret Sentai project that I I mentioned a few weeks ago. And I got home, and I, I pulled the little, like, pull chain on the light in, like, the little hallway, walkway area right outside of my bedroom. And the light turned on. And then later, I went to go pull that chain again to turn the light off. And it did not turn off. And I think that the uh, the little pull chain thing has broken. But it is broken in the on position. That's not fun. So, I thought, okay, I, I've got some ideas. I don't want to just take the light bulb out of the fixture. Because then I've just got, like, a live hot... Yeah, no, that's the worst thing you could do, right. I feel like. Um, so I can't do that. Um, like, all it would take then is for, like, a moth to climb in there and I've got yeah, a house and then, fire. Right, and then you the fireball moth. Yeah. yeah, and then I thought, okay, well, I know what I'll do. I'll find a burnt-out light bulb and put it in there so that, like, there's something in there, but there's not light coming out of it. And so I can, I like, don't know, go to sleep. right. I guess. I don't know why. That also seems like a bad idea. It doesn't seem like a great idea, but also, like, I don't know. Like, there's all... It's a uh, it's a two-bulb fixture, and one of the bulbs has been burnt out forever, because I don't, like, need that much light in this, like, particular part of the apartment. Uh, and it's never been an issue, so it might be a bad idea, but it seemed like it was, like, manageable for the evening. Um, until I could, like, go to Home Depot and buy a part to fix this thing. But the thing is that for some reason, I think for the first time in my life, I did not have a burnt out bulb in my apartment. And I even found like a bulb that I thought was burnt out that turned out to still be working. And I was trying to like shake it vigorously to like make it like burn itself out. <laughs> trying to break your <laughs> I was trying to break a bulb because I'm like, I thought this one was already broken. I'm just going to like shake it until the filament like snaps and then plug it in, and then go to Home Depot in the morning. And, man, I have burnt out so many bulbs in my life. These bulbs that I have now are, like, impregnable. The only way I could have broken it would be to have, like, actually broken the glass. And that's, we're just circling back around to another I mean, bad idea. I guess, are you, are you like, roundabout complaining that you purchased high-quality light bulbs? Dude, Is I didn't even purchase these problem? light bulbs. These are just in my apartment, and I don't know where they came from. I think they were hmm. here when I moved in, like, in a drawer. Which makes it even more difficult to believe that they're still working, because I moved into this apartment five years ago. a long time. Anyway, so what I ended up doing was just Matt, like... are these secretly... Are these LED bulbs and you just didn't know about it? <laughs> I did check they are because, not LED like, bulbs. Because, like, I just... I would have... Dif- I just have difficulty believing a filament bulb lasted five years. I mean, not being used. It was just chilling out. Anyway. Well, yeah, okay, anyways. Um... Anyway, so what I ended up having to do was just, like, put the LED light bulb back in the socket and leave the light on all night. But again, this is the light, bu- like, the light fixture that is right outside my bedroom door. Um, and since it is the summertime and I do not have air conditioning, the way to make my room comfortable is to open the window and open the door and set up a fan so there's a cross breeze. Mm-hmm. So that means that, like... I finally gave up on trying to get this thing fixed at like 1.30 in the morning and I climb into bed and there's just a light on. And like not a dim light because I don't have any very dim bulbs. It's just this very light or bright light right outside my wind or doorway and it was extremely hard to sleep. That's all. God, that is... I'm sorry, bud. Also, I went to Home Depot to get the part to try to fix it, uh, but as it turns out... The like the little pull chain thing is not something that I can remove from my current light fixture, so I uh, I was not able to take it apart to put the new thing back together. It has been mm. a morning. I mean, it's four thirty p.m. now, but it was a morning this morning when I was trying to deal with it. Oh, sorry, man. That's super lame. <laughs> I guess I will update you later. I mean, ultimately, I I'm I, fine. I shot it. Okay. I shot an email to my landlord, and I'm sure I'm sure someone will, will take care of it soon. <laughs> Um, but yeah, that, that has been my day. Dave, what is our third star of the week? So third star of the week, Matt, is the last night was NXT TakeOver. Yes, NXT and TakeOver I don't, Brooklyn 4. Yeah, and I don't get a ton of chance to watch wrestling as much as I do enjoy it, uh, just 
because that's my life. Uh, but you were over, and Beth was watching the kids because Mark was here, and we were we were able to watch some of NXT Takeover. And more importantly, for me, it was the first time I'd ever actually gotten to see a match with a former coworker and close personal friend. He is not my close personal friend. Uh, Ethan Carter the Third or EC Three. AKA yeah. Mike Sutter, which is his actual name. Um, yeah, so just like I used to work with this dude at the Cheesecake Factory, and now he is in NXT. Well, he was in NXT, and then he wasn't, and now he is back. Yeah, he was he was previously Derek Bateman, and then he went to TNA, and now he's back at, but he's uh, his TNA character, uh, EC3. And dude, like, I, I just keep imagining, be- because you met this guy, like, you know, worked with this guy before, I only know him in the context of him being EC3. And so yeah. I am just imagining, like, EC3 as he exists in the wrestling ring. Like, not necessarily, like, in the trunks and boots, but, like, that character rolling around Cheesecake Factory asking people if they want to buy, like, a fancy chocolate martini. And th- <laughs> it's so, it's such a delightful thought to me. <laughs> just power slamming bad tippers through the tables. Yeah. No, uh, well, to my knowledge, I mean, there was a point where he stopped working there, so I don't know what he did on his last day, but to my knowledge, he never power slammed anybody uh, at the restaurant. Uh, but it, like, it is very weird to, it's just a very weird experience, and if you happen to be someone like, oh yeah, I went to high school with Kid Rock or something, it's like, it's one of those things where, like, you just know, I'm like, we weren't pals. Like, we didn't, like, go out and hang out or anything, but, like, I didn't know him. Yeah. And, uh, no. And it was just weird because, like, I just know this guy and, like, I knew his girlfriend and, you know, like, we, I helped him sing happy birthday to customer, you know, like, just working stuff. And now that dude is a pro wrestler. <laughs> Um, and I'm an award-winning podcaster, you know, so... Yeah, you know, we all got stuff going on here. We all got stuff going on. Um, it, it, but it is just very weird, because, like, in some ways, it's obviously, it's the same human being, uh, but in other ways, like, it, it, it very definitely isn't. Right, uh, like, Mike from the Cheesecake Factory is not EC3. It, yeah, you know. Um, and I was pleased, he was a very good, he was a very good man. like, he, it was a very, it was a good match. Oh, it was a great match. Think, it was him and Velveteen yeah. Dream, and those, like, Velveteen Dream matches at NXT TakeOvers are always good. Yeah, although I did see, so if you haven't seen it, spoiler alert, Velveteen Dream does win the match. And I recall, despite the fact that I have never seen either of these dudes wrestle anymore, I was a little just like, oh, Velveteen Dream, like, because I know this dude. So I was like, yeah, I hope he wins, because... what? Because yeah, sure, of course. Um, but it was, it was a very good match. I liked it a lot. Yeah, and sadly, that was actually the last match of the night that we had time to watch, because we... Uh, yeah, so... yeah, well, and then they, I think they ended up early, because somebody got bloodied. And uh, so I think they call that match a little like it ended very abruptly and mm-hmm. probably because because someone got, started bleeding. Yeah, but dude, Death, uh, Velveteen D- Dream did that Death Valley driver onto the apron. Onto the hardest part of the ring. It's the hardest part of the ring, Dave. It's dangerous. It's a brutal <laughs> move. Uh, anyway, um, what is our fourth star of the week? So our fourth star of the week is another. It's like, an, I don't know. We should have a little song for this. And not by saying that I have caused a song to appear. Um, not necessarily. Not necessarily. But if I know Mark does, Mark, ha- Mark pu- does have other things to do in his life. No, I know. I just feel like Mark. No pressure. I just feel like the more we talk about it, the more likely he is to make a song. But Mark, you don't have to do a song. But that this said, is like here's a, the song. That said, here's <laughs> the song. It's a Grandma TV update from Cleveland. The Champagne Voices of Matt and Dave. It's the Super Sentai Brothers Show, brought to you by Geritol. Thank you, thank you, thank you and greetings, my friends. Welcome to our show. We're happy you could join us as we have a sky full of stars tonight. To kick us off, it's old friend producer Mark with a new arrangement of his classic standard, the Update Song. Grandma's TV update. 
Okay. Yeah. So here's something interesting I've discovered. Grandma doesn't like laugh tracks, like vocally. Like she complains about them. She does not like laugh tracks on television shows. I'm not totally sure why, uh, but she doesn't like laugh. I think maybe it's like hard to hear while the laugh track is going. But you know what doesn't have laugh tracks, Matt, is Lawrence Welk. Well, I mean, there's probably a good reason for that, because there's nothing enjoyable that happens in an episode of Lawrence Welk. Grandma loves Lawrence Welk. So I have been watching some Lawrence Welk. And I used to watch it as a kid, like not on purpose as a kid, but because Grandma liked it then as well as now. Right. And, so, like, and also, like, on if we were visiting. And like when we were growing up, like in the 90s, the Lawrence Welk show was something that would occasionally just show up on TV, either on like a Sunday afternoon or at like, yeah, like it was one just in the morning. Lawrence Welk is the worst television program ever made. And it seems, I mean, I, I don't have so any real bad. evidence to that because I haven't been watching it, but that's always been kind of my assumption. Dude, Lord, the Lawrence, okay, so here's the deal. First of all, the Lawrence Welk show has only ever been, like, for old people. Like, even when it very first came out, like, the the age of people who watches Lawrence Welk started at 65 and has never, like, it wasn't like, oh, we watched it when I was young, like I was 30, and I've just sort of kept watching it. That's not the case. The very first episode, the only people watching this show had to have been in their 60s, and then just when you turned 65, you got your invitation to come watch it. It's it's terrible. It's astonishingly boring. It's just like it's just it's literally music and dancing and that's it. So there's like not nothing like, is it's it, it's it, it calls itself a variety show, but there is no variety. It is not a variety show. It's there just a, it's just a boring dancing, music and show. That is it. It is a televised soundtrack. Okay. Nothing interesting happens on this program. And then on top of that, it is the whitest TV show I have ever seen. And you've seen Friends. And I've seen Friends. It it's just like it's the least in, it's like the most and I say this as like like, I'm a pretty white dude, if that makes sense. Like, yeah. I'm a very sort of, like, middle-class white guy. Like, I've got some nerdy interests and stuff. But this is, like, the most middle America, like, white bread, boring. Okay, it's can't, just, like, it's Dave, soul-sucking. Can, can you give me a specific example from your Lawrence Welk experience that can okay, highlight this for good. me? So periodically they will do there's two things I'll tell you. Periodically they will do Beatles covers. Okay. Okay. And the only thing I can tell you about how bad these Beatles covers are is that they are covers of Beatles songs, Beatles mind you, that would have been socially acceptable to 60-year-olds in the 70s. Okay. Okay. So, this, so is, this is a cover Beatles of song. When I'm 64 that is actually made for people who are for currently who 64. Are 64. But not just like When I'm 64, like some of the other ones too. Because they've done more than one. I so mean, just imagine a Beatles song. I'm guessing they do trans- mostly Paul songs. Yeah. Pr- yeah. Yeah. And then imagine, transmogrify that song into something that a 65-year-old woman would like in the 1970s. Okay. That's what they've done to this song. Here's the second thing. They did, because there's always a theme to these shows, right? Uh-huh. They did a uh, tribute to Nat King Cole. Okay. Nat, I mean, yeah. Nat King Cole Nat is King, great. He deserves Nat a tribute. Nat King Cole is great. He deserves a tribute. Absolutely. Nat King Cole, if you're not super familiar, is an old, like, from mid-century uh, kind of balladeer. He's a great singer, uh, singer-entertainer. He did a little acting. Uh, it is important to note, if you don't happen to know this, the Nat King Cole is African-American. Right. On the Lawrence Welk Show, in the tribute to Nat King Cole. And how long are these episodes, Dave? They're like an hour long. Well, hour with commercials. Okay. So they're like 50 minutes long. In a 50 minutes of tribute to Nat King Cole, ask me, Matt, 
how many non-white performers there were. Oh, Dave, I'm afraid to ask you, but I, I, I am a dutiful co-host, and I will ask you, Dave. Actually, you know how- what? Just guess. You guess how many non-white performers there were. I mean, I've got to guess, and I'm pretty sure it's right, and it's also zero. Okay, you're very close to right. Well, mathematically speaking, you're infinitely far away, too. There is one. Okay. Because there is one black dude on the Lawrence Welk show, and he is there because he can tap dance. Which also seems like that also bothers me on a level that I'm having trouble like elucid like explaining right now. Having one black guy on your show because he can tap dance does not make your show less white. I think it actually makes it more white. Yeah, it might be worse. Uh, So, anyways, the Lawrence Welk show is appalling. Uh, Matt, what is our (laughs) what? There's no other way to say it. What is our fifth show of the week? Fifth show of the week. Our fifth star of the week, Matt. Dave, our fifth star of the week is um, my car recently was in the shop. No big deal. Everything's cool. I recently got it back. But it being in the shop meant that for a couple of weeks, I had a rental car. And Dave, a couple weeks? Uh, yeah, about two weeks. Dang, okay. Well, it, had, it was some body work that had to get done. And so there had to oh, be yeah, some painting. Yeah, right, right, right. And like anytime something gets painted, they need to wait like three days for it to set right, before you can have your car back. All, yeah. all is well. Uh, but... I want to talk to you, Dave, about the experience of having a rental car for a few weeks. It's weird. Right? Like, okay, having a rental car for an afternoon, right? Like, if you're, like, traveling and you have to, like, get a rental car in another city and you have it for a weekend, that's whatever. But but when you have a rental car for, like, two weeks, it becomes a separate thing. Like, it becomes your car, kind of, except it's not. Yeah, um... And it's like sort of it's sort of better and sort of not. Yeah, like you you get to learn the sort of nuances of the car and you finally figure out at like the end of the 2 week period exactly how to run like the fancy computer touchscreen thing that's built into it. Yeah. Um but also what that means is like you recalibrate your entire like driving self to driving like a Hyundai Elantra and then at the end of this you get back in your like Volvo station wagon and drive away and driving home in your own car after you give back the rental that you've had for that long it feels like was this like is this actually my car is this the thing that I drive all the time how have I ever like moved this vehicle before in my life it's extremely unsettling yeah, it is. It's a very bizarre experience. And then, like you said, like you get your car back, you're like, oh, actually, I kind of wish I could just keep the rental. And I actually, I really like my car, but that rental did have a backup camera. And man, I will tell you what, I never had used a backup camera before. Um, and it was kind of magic. Really? Yeah. It always seemed like one of those things that would be kind of more... I don't know, man. More trouble than it's worth. Uh, I mean, I guess not. How like, much? Of... How much parallel parking do you have to do? I guess not a ton. Yeah. See, I have to parallel park like a few times a day uh, because I do not have uh, like everything around me is all street parking. So I ended up doing a lot of parallel parking, and I have a mm. station wagon, which means that my car is very long, and it's and I'm forever like wondering, man, how close am I to the car behind me? And I will sometimes have to like get out of my car to like circle around to see how much space I have. It's not like it's not a huge deal, but in the week or two that I had this backup camera, I realized like, oh my gosh, this it's You got to get yourself a backup I've gotta camera. I've got to get myself I've got to like somehow build a backup camera into my car because it's the best. Anyway, uh, I've talked about backup cameras for a long time, Dave. <laughs> Why don't we take a break? Uh pretend to watch the episode that we've already watched. Uh, and then come back and talk about episode 36 of Cherokee Sentai Ranger. Sounds good. All right. We'll be right back. Okay. Welcome back. So we have watched episode 36 of Cherokee Sentai Ranger. It is called A Direct Hit with Flatulence. And it is written by Hirohisa Soda. If you would like to watch it along with us, you can do that at Shout Factory TV's website. And I recommend it this week. Because a direct hit with flatulence is kind of wild. <laughs> I I feel like you should say that the episode of direct hit with flatulence is kind of wild. Because an actual direct hit with flatulence is unpleasant. 
Yeah, I mean, okay, I do not recommend getting a direct hit with flatulence yourself. Um, I mean, I guess unless that's your thing, then I mean, I guess go, go for it. Listen, I, we've gotten sort of in the weeds here. Dave, do you want to get us started? <laughs> so, um, yeah, so the episode opens up and we just see a bunch of garbage. And my first thought was, of course, where's Putan when you need him? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we see some ladies, some like housewives, it looks like, cleaning up the garbage. Great. It's uh, what you do. And then... Uh, and then Bar Skunk arrives. And that's like, there's no, in- he just showed, well, I shouldn't say there's no intro. There's definitely an intro. There's a musical Skunk. Yeah, because Bar Skunk is a, like, Mexican bandito garbage eating skunk. Also, maybe a French horn? Yeah, he's got sort of a French horn chest unit. There's no yeah. other way to describe that. It's sort of round and has three valves on it. Yeah, I don't. It's a weird choice, but they do do it. Uh, yeah, so there is like a musical. It's like a classical guitar, like sting, and there he and he has a sombrero on. Just so we're, but then they never reference. They never reference that again. Yeah, and in Ever. fact, the, he's wearing the sombrero in this scene, and I don't think he wears it again in any other scene. Like, he takes it off no. at the end of, like, when he starts to fight Goro in a minute, and then it never comes back, which is very weird. Yeah, I don't... Like, I don't get it. There have not been, like, an... Anyways. I, I, I think if so this suit... I feel like if this suit had been constructed differently, the sombrero would have stayed. But this this robot suit has a very different look to it than the previous robot suits. Like, it doesn't look like a giant rubber suit that's designed to invoke the idea of a robot. It actually kind of looks like a robot with, like, weird metal bits. Like, his face is, like, sort of, like, pinched and metal and stuff. That's kind of the only Uh, way I know how to describe it. But, um, yeah, it's a very interesting design. It is like he looks like he looks cool. Actually, he really he has a very uh, he really looks sort of like a Mega Man X monster. Yeah, he does. Like he does, you know, like he is definitely like a robotic skunk. Like it's a neat look. Um, so anyways, he 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 eats garbage like that is his thing. He starts like vacuuming up garbage. And uh, at first the women are like, oh, well, that's like they're screaming. And then he's like, give me that garbage to eat. And then they do. And he's. And he eats the garbage, and they they seem to be kind of cool with that. They're like, "Oh, well, like that that seems okay." I mean, they're, they're definitely like, wary about him. But then when he says, "Like someone needs to go get me more garbage," the women are like, "Well, I have some like non combustible garbage at my house. I can go get it for you." He's like, "Yes, combustible, non combustible, like food waste, dead batteries. Bring it all." Like, just bring it... And so they just bring him all of their garbage. And at first they're like, well, this seems okay. And then he runs out of garbage to eat. And then he gets really angry. Uh, he's like, what? What do you mean you're out of garbage? Because he, he wants to he wants to eat garbage. Which, like, I don't... I guess Bacchus Wrath left. Well, he's dead now. Yeah, I mean, well, he, I guess he left in a manner left of Earth, like, Yeah, millions and millions of years ago before the existence of, like, garbage dumps? So maybe they just don't know. They're like Bar Skunk, you, you. There's plate you could literally eat. There's a patch of garbage in the middle of the Pacific Ocean. It's like the size of a small country. Yeah. Okay. You're, see, this is what I'm you're thinking. Fine, dude. Because Goro's going to show up in a minute, and he's going to say, "You're not doing this altruistically. You've got some sort of like, you know, nefarious plan." Which Bar Skunk immediately cops he does. to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I feel as though. Like, the way that they treated Baraskunk in this episode was wasted. Like, in the world of O-Ranger, they had the perfect opportunity to, like, lure him out into, like, the middle of the ocean. And be like, oh, yeah, you want some garbage? We've got some for you here. Get him to eat all the garbage and then throw him into the sun. It would be very easy. Just like, please, please don't consume our giant Pacific garbage patch. Anything but that. Um... So yeah, so like Matt said, Goro shows up and he, what's he leaps off of a, like a children's playset, and I really like the idea that before he leapt off of the children's playset to attack it, he had to first like climb up it. So there's Bar Skunk, there's Bar Skunk menacing these women, and then like off stage, Goro is like stealthily climbing up this children's playset so that he can have a dramatic entrance in thirty seconds. That is great. So 
he uh so he finishes clay and then he attacks and uh he's like what's going on and so bara skunk pulls out the same sort of banner that bara mammoth had so i am wondering if now we're gonna get mostly like animal themed right machine beasts animal themed machine beasts who all have giant banners declaring their eternal undying loyalty to bomber the great but yeah i I don't even have jokes about that. I just love it. Yeah. Oh, because the, the, so the banner he, says Bomber the Great for life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it also in like pictograms, like there's a little picture of Bomber the Great. Uh, so, so, okay. So he, it turns out his attack, first of all, is he turns around, which skunks don't have to do. And he farts on Goro with like a, a acid fart that, a comes out of the top of his tail, like the tip of his tail, which like skunks don't have to turn around to do that. And it doesn't come out of their tail and it's not a fart. So I think somebody got as far as like skunks smell bad. And that was the end of the research that they did about that. Yeah. I'm, okay. I, I, I've got a, a few things to say on this myself. First of all, when he declares his loyalty to uh, Bar or Bomber the Great, Goro asks him about it, and not only does Baraskunk say that he is the most fearsome of all the machine beasts, he also mm-hmm. says that he's not just like a minion, he is, he is a partner to Bomber the Great. Which makes me feel as though, like, especially because Acha and Kocha were so quick to, like, jump ship, and, like, all of these people are very enthusiastic about getting on board with Bar- or Bomber the Great. Like, maybe Bomber the Great's real... Like, he's got two great strengths. His first great strength is that he can fly and explode. And that's mm. cool. His second great strength is he's got people skills. Like, his employees love him. They, f- yeah, they feel involved can, like, in the process. Right. People don't like Bacchus Wrath, but they do love Bomber the Great. So, Matt, I did just look it up real quickly, and it turns out... um. There are no skunks in Japan. Like, they just don't exist in Japan. So I think we can extend a little leeway to... Uh, who was it? Was the writer of this episode? Uh, Hirohisa Soda. Yeah, I think we can uh, extend a little grace to them. Maybe he just got as far as just like, I don't know, man, it's a kid's show. It's a skunk. Yeah. They smell I mean, bad. Honestly, like, that's fair. You know, uh, if you get all of your skunkiness or your skunk knowledge from, like, Pepe Le Pew, you just know that, like, they are bad people and they smell. Yeah. Um, the other so, thing I want to say about the superpower of Baraskunk is that Baraskunk says that the power of his like garbage farts are so strong that they can destroy things and like break them apart on an atomic level. And if that was true, then every time he farted, it would like he would be splitting the atom and just yeah, destroying would- the earth. <laughs> Yeah, it would be way, just way more powerful. Which actually would make sense, because he does say, I am the greatest and most fearsome of all the machine beasts, and we will later find out that he has definitely destroyed other planets. Yeah. this is a dude with a a track record. He has destroyed a hundred planets. We'll get there when we get there, but... So he... Yeah, and so he turns around, and I do feel like having to turn your back on your enemy in order to launch your special attack as a tactical weakness. And Goro takes advantage of it. So the first thing that happens is that he, like, Baraskunk hits Goro with his gas. And it is powerful enough to dehension Goro. Right. Like, it dissolves his suit right off of him. Which is amazing. So, Goro, and like, Goro is completely nonplussed. He was not prepared for this. And so Baraskunk kind of flips on. He's like, ha, gotcha. And then he goes to turn around again to hit him with more gas. And there's a soccer ball there because there's a playset that we mentioned. And so he just kicks the soccer ball for a reason that aren't clear. It just, it's just like a, it's a nozzle that this gas sprays out of. And the soccer ball like lodges. It's a jam up. It jams it up. Yeah. Uh, and that works for a second. And then there's like an explosion and the ball goes flying and there's even more gas. And it destroys, I think I think it destroys the playset. But it Goro does. was nowhere to be found. Well, Goro has he run has... away. Goro has like jumped down into a ravine and is just running away like... But he's in this river that's, like, up to his ankles in this, like, creek. And the camera doesn't, like, zoom in on him in some sort of way. You just see him sort of, like, frantically splashing his way, trying to escape, running down the length of this creek. And it's kind of hilarious. Like, I don't know if it's designed to be funny, but it definitely makes him look like a total goober. It does. Well, I kind of dig it, though, because... 
Goro's just like, no, man, I can't take this guy. Like, I'm out. Like, I just, I will have to come back later. Like, there's a different solution here, but I cannot beat this dude on my own. So, um, we go from there up to the moon. And we see Prince Bulldown. And he says, he's like, Baraskunk is disgusting. Like, this is... Like, this is a disgusting monster. See, th- like, this is super gross. This is how you know that the Baranoia Empire is really different than, um, you know, we humans on Earth. Because Prince Bull don't... Like, he's an evil robot from space, but he's also a child. And, like... Yeah. If you're a child, like, farts are just funny. Listen, Even dude, if farts, you're not a child, farts are funny. But just especially say, if you're like, a Don't kid, put that only on children. Yeah, farts are hilarious. You know who loves fart jokes? Shakespeare. Absolutely. Means they're classy. <laughs> so that's how you know that Bulldog is not only like a terrible child, but he's terrible at being a child because he does yeah, not see so, the humor in this robot. So uh, Bar- or Bama the Great like flies in because I guess he left before and now he has made his entrance again. He makes his entrance the exact same way every time, which is he flies directly into the open window of the of the throne room and then explodes and then, like, flips upside down, and there's a little musical sting, and he turns into his human form. Uh, I hope that that is how Obama the Great goes everywhere. Right, like, he just makes a grand entrance every time he goes in the room. He never which, uses a door. Which, every time we see, have seen him enter someplace, like, that's how he does it. Like, he sort of will, like, walk around in his immediate vicinity, but if he has to travel anywhere, like, he flies and then lands and, well, and hits and explodes and then turns into a person. So, Obama the Great says, listen, What's interesting is he doesn't dispute the fact that Baraskunk is disgusting. He's like, listen, it doesn't matter. We're at war. We are at war with the O-Rangers, and this is why you guys lose, because you're not willing to do whatever it takes. You might think Baraskunk is gross, but, and here's where it comes in, he's like, that dude is super dangerous. He has destroyed 100 planets with the power of his farts. See, that's a funny line. It's a very funny line. This is a that's good why show, Bulldogs Dave. That's terrible, because he wouldn't laugh at that line. And the fact that he says, I've destroyed 100 planets with the power of my farts, that's very, very funny. Matt, can I make a brief non-Sentai-related uh, digression? Sure. Thank you. Yeah, I knew you were going to say yes. Speaking of brilliant lines that really stick with you, because I think this is going to be one, uh... I don't love the movie Donnie Darko because I think it's like disconcerting and like sort of creepy. But the single line from that movie, quote, sometimes I doubt your commitment to sparkle motion never fails to make me smile. You know, that is a delightful line. It, it, is, it is a delightful enough line that for me it has transcended the fact that it comes from Donnie Darko to the point where when you said that, like, I know that line. I have heard people say it a hundred times. And I have seen Donnie Darko and cannot remember when in the movie someone says it. I don't remember where either. Uh, it's just... No, it's just an amazing line. Sometimes I doubt your commitment to sparkle motion. Uh, really, it's the delivery. The woman who says it is, like, completely earnest and sort of crying about her concern. Um Anyways, Speaking about concerns, Dave. YouTube. Speaking of concerns, let's talk about this planet destroying. <laughs> See, that's funny. That's good comedy. I didn't even come up with it. It's just funny to say. So, and the um, thing is, that, like, Bomber the Great knows that it's funny. He's like, "Hey, not only is this going to destroy Earth, it's going to destroy Earth. Like, they're going to be dead and embarrassed." They're going to be like, think how great, but what he says is, think how pathetic it would be for humanity to die from a fart. And then everybody, I think, kind of gets it. Uh, and also, he talks a little bit about like garbage. It makes it very clear that this is sort of an eco themed, like garbage commentary episode. We'll get it a little bit stronger later. Yeah, on, it, this is the... it's weird because this is definitely a fart joke episode, but it's also a very special episode with like Captain Planet themes. Mm hmm. You know, man, people keep talking about making a live-action Captain Planet, and I still don't understand why they haven't done it. I would watch that. I'd just watch the heck out of that movie. Man, dude, the problem is, no matter who they get, it would be very difficult for them to get a better cast than the cast of season one of, like, the voice cast of season one of Captain Planet. Because, have we talked about this on the show before, how it had, like, the Ooh, most yeah, star-studded cast? yeah, it's like a cast? crazy all-star. Well, because it's, like, Hollywood eco-propaganda. Like, straight up leftist Hollywood propaganda. Like, I love the show, but it is what it yeah, is. Yeah, it was like Whoopi Goldberg and LeVar Burton and uh, Ed Asner and Meg Ryan and Jeff Goldblum. Like, those are just the names I can remember off the top of my head. 
Who does Ed Asner play? Oh, he plays the yellow-skinned radioactive guy, doesn't he? Um, He either plays him or he plays the sort of like... Uh, he plays one of the bad guys. I forget which one. It might be... Uh, oh, he might know. He might be a Horace Greedley, like the big, the pig. He, yeah, I think he's Horace Greedley. The guy you're thinking of is Duke Nukem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, he was the best because he had actual, he had actual superpowers. Uh, yeah, Hog, Hoggish Greedley. Horace Greedley is from something else. Yeah, uh, Hor- Horace Greedley. Hoggish, Hoggish Greedley. Uh, like I said, I've been watching a lot of Mary Tyler Moore, and Ed Asner crushes on that show. He is super funny. He's very good. Um, uh, anyway, sorry. Returning to Super Sentai here. Um, like it was, so it's a garbage commentary. So we get a scene of uh, Bar Skunk, and he is wreaking havoc. Like people are running from his super farts, and the farts are like, it's very weird because, like, he's eating garbage and he's turning the energy from the garbage into farts, but the farts are dissolving garbage. Like, I'm not really sure what the economy of, like, farts to energy is supposed to be. But it's, there's something going on. Like, he needs garbage to make the farts, but he's also dissolving, I don't know. Yeah. And one thing they do say is, like, it's cool because Earth has so much garbage that it's going to be really easy for him to get enough uh, fuel to, like, destroy the planet. Yeah. So, all the rangers arrive. Well, all the rangers except Goro. All the rangers except Goro arrive. They, they do a little fight. There's kind of a standoff. And the Bar Skunk says, uh, well, it's not really a fight. He walks all over them. Like, none of their attacks work. They hit him with the King Blaster. That doesn't work. Like, it literally bounces, like, ricochets off of him. Uh, nothing they have is powerful enough to defeat Bar Skunk. And then he has a moment where he is talking about his, the power of his own attack. And at first he's like, my farts. No, my... Like emissions, no, my gas is deadly. Like he, he is not sure what to term to well, use. It's, no, it, it's he gets confused because he tries to use an idiom and it kind of falls apart because he says like you know compared to me, your attacks or are as powerful as a fart in the wind. Um, and then he's like, but my oh, farts. Oh, it's like, oh, but, 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 but my, my farts, farts are, are well. Actually, I mean my wind. Okay, it's fart and wind. I mean, okay, so my guess, like he, like he, he starts to dunk on them, but kind of loses track of what he's saying. Yeah, I do feel like this is something he should have figured out, like I don't know, a hundred planets ago. Well, I mean, maybe in the other hundred planets, he didn't have oranges to deal with, and so there was no one who he even got in a fight with. Mm, good point. Or maybe nobody on those planets has the idiom like a fart in the wind, and it wouldn't have worked. So anyway, You've always lived your uh, life like a fart in the wind. <laughs> like it, and I'm not going to sing it. So, <laughs> so the Rangers can't do anything. And then Goro kind of like jumps down from a roof with the Star Riser. And I think the idea, the initially, because Baraskunk has like turned around to shoot the Rangers with his fart attack. So I think the idea was, is that they would attack draw his uh, like draw fire and then Goro would attack from the front but as he does that he like Bara Skunk attacks him with a gas attack from the front like he shoots the gas out of his mouth and Goro (laughs) like Goro's like oh no like how could you do that he's like Bara Skunk says it's like I could always attack from my front I just attack from the back because farts are hilarious. Yeah, it's like, actually, the easiest way for me to do it is from the front. That's like the default. I'm doing it from my butt because I think it's great. <laughs> like, we're only paraphrasing a little bit, guys. Like, Boris Skunk is deliberately farting on people because he knows it's hilarious. Um, so Gora runs away because he he's now... He's not ha- wrong. Like, now having been, like, farted on again with, like, mouth farts... Um, like, he has now lost his, um, he has been unhenched again. So he runs away and has to, like, dive into a river to escape. Yeah, so, uh, he, Goro comes up between, like, Baraskunk looks down, he's like, ah, I guess he escaped, and then he leaves. Uh, so Goro appears between, I think, like, boats or, like, garbage scows or something, he sort of swims over and the rangers show up and they're checking on him. Uh, this is really annoying because they had to type, type garbage a lot for this episode, and garbage is kind of a finger twister. Like, it's a tongue twister, except for your fingers. It's hard to type for me. Uh, I no, I have words like that. Necessary. I can't type it. It takes me, like, three mm. times every time. 
Um, uh, so anyways, the Rangers check on him and they're like, what? Like, what is going on with this dude? And then Shohei's like, would that be a burp then or what? Which seems like a weird... Like, Shohei, come on. Like, we have larger concerns. I mean, I get it, though. You want to figure out the taxonomy of this sort of thing. Uh, <laughs> so as they are sort of puzzling about what they're going to do about Boris because nothing they've done so far has worked, some kids show up, and they've got a bunch of garbage. And the Rangers look at them and are like, why are you collecting garbage? And they say, well, we're going to collect all the garbage so Boris Skunk can't eat it. Which... So, like, first of all, maybe you're doing that. Alternately, you are just hauling around a big carton cart full of uh, monster bait, which is which is what garbage is in this case. Yeah, and then one of the kids' moms shows up and is like, hey, this is very dangerous. Like, even if you, like, pick up some litter, you're not going to be able to save the world. Like, you should, like, go hide. Like, just come home. Like, come home where it's safe. And then the kid is like, no, mom, like that kind of thinking is what got us into this mess. Like, we're going to clean up all of this garbage. Right. And like, then like, like one of the little kids pops forward and basically says the same thing. Like one person cleaning up trash is insignificant. But if we all clean up trash, then we can clean up this whole city. And they're like, yeah, yeah we can clean up the whole city. But like, and that actually like for the purposes of like environmentalism in this episode yeah is true is and like, good and a nice true. thing to say in a kid's show for the purposes but of the garbage it doesn't disappear right like it just goes to another place so this should be like if this is the message you're sending really this guy should be like litter skunk like if it's just sitting around he can use it to power himself up but if it's all like collected in a place it's it's no good right yeah, because they're not doing anything to get rid of the garbage. They're just moving it to a place that isn't where they live. And even as the kids run off to go continue collecting trash, the O-Rangers are like, oh, right, this is very dangerous. Like, like oh, yeah, we should follow that. We are going to go protect those children. So, and then they tell the mom that. They're like, we'll protect the kids. It's fine. So then we get a scene of, like, it's a bunch of kids and the Rangers and... I think the idea is that they are cleaning up garbage. But half the scenes they seem to be picking it up. And then there's a couple other shots where they're just dumping garbage out. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, like you said, where they're not like, they don't have a disintegration ray. They're just trying to collect it and get it into one spot for some reason. But they're not putting, like, they're not, like, they're, they're in a, like, they're under a bridge. And they don't seem to be putting all of the garbage into one place. They just seem to be looking at each individual piece of garbage and saying, well, that doesn't belong there. And then moving it to a different place, but then taking the other garbage. In, like, they're not centralizing the garbage. They're just rotating. You know, at some point, it looked like they were throwing it in a hole. And I was wondering if they were going to be burying the garbage. Yeah, I just, I'm not, I think they just did not come up with enough ideas as to like what we were going to do. Right, they brought a lot uh, of prop garbage to the set that day and they said, I don't know, man, just move it around. We'll get some footage. Move it around. So, uh, so they're doing this, uh, Ricky and Doran arrived to help. Dude, I was shocked to see Ricky because we have not seen him in like four episodes. Yeah, it was kind of, and he's not even henchin'. He just shows up and is helping clean up garbage and, uh. And then the mom, the mom that was yelling at the kids, she and her friends arrived too. And there's an inspiring little speech like, we're all going to clean up the garbage. It'll be great. Um, and then Boris Kunk arrives, right. obviously. And he's just like, what are you doing? Leave that garbage where it is so I can eat it. <sighs> Which, okay, I already made that yeah. joke, but like you could just delete it. Um, so he he's about to attack. And then Goro, who has been hiding in a pile of garbage like, pops out and is about to shoot him with the King Blaster, despite the fact that earlier in the episode... Which we have already established that that does not work. Right. Um, so right as he is about to do that, Bomber the Great arrives. Right. Crashes himself into Goro. Goro gets blown up. Uh, Bomber the Great lands. Uh, Boris Gung pulls out his banner again, his uh, Bomber the Great for Life banner. He, which is on, like, a stick, and so he's, like, swinging it around like a quarterstaff. It's very good. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Oh, this is... Matt, sorry. This is something I was going to mention at the very top of the episode, and it's something I can't believe I didn't sort of bring up earlier. Were you going to mention that it oh. is currently Power Morphicon, and we haven't mentioned it at all? Oh, geez. That's, that's, no, that totally, is the thing that I we keep should. forgetting to mention. Yeah, Peppy? Well, I think it'll be over by the time you listen to this. But anyways, that's not the point. Uh, no, what I was going to say is that O-Ranger... 
I was look like for this project that we're doing. O Ranger actually means King Ranger. Yeah. So the fact that Ricky is the, well, I didn't know. I didn't I didn't look it up, and then you didn't tell me. So the fact that they're like the King Blasters. That's why like they're, they're the King Blasters, and it's I thought we talked about like Ricky, um, being like the King Ranger before. Did we? Maybe we did. Yeah, I, I think they call him King Ranger. Well, they do call him King. I okay, they call him King Ranger. That I didn't know that O Ranger just translates as King Ranger. Like I just didn't know that. Um. Hey, listeners, go back to the back catalog and uh, find out and sound off in the comments. Don't don't worry about it. There are no comments please for you to sound worry. off in. Yeah, f- don't please don't actually do that thing. Um. So, anyways. Yeah, so amazingly, the thing that... So they, they all pull out their guns and they try to attack Boris Konk, and amazingly, the thing that didn't work before still still doesn't work. Yeah. Um, also, the the Rangers are yelling at Bomber the Great, and they do they call him Bomber the Great, which I really dig. <laughs> like, that's some charisma. If you could get your enemies refer to you as Bomber the Great... Right, not just Bomber. That's You're doing something right. Oh, so sorry. What Bomber the Great says is he's like, yeah, I knew I was... He's like, I'm a master of combat. Like, I knew that this was what you were going to do. Like, your plan was not that clever. I figured it out very, very quickly. So, then Boris Skunk shoots electro lasers out of the valves on his chest French horn. Uh-huh. Um, and then he hits them with a gas attack. And then Ricky sort of, like, pushes everybody back. And he does a move called King Tornado, where he does, like, a flash style. Like, he just spins very quickly and he blows all the gas back at Boris Skunk who apparently is not immune to his own attack. Yeah, which is weird for two reasons. One, you would think that a robot would be immune to like the like the weird energy blast that it shoots out regardless of their type. And two, like come on man, it's his own farts. Like it's never as bad when they're your own. Yeah, yeah, no, exactly. Um so anyways, that's like, that's very quick. Like he just blows the gas back at them and Boris Kunk's like, oh no, toxic gas. And then they summon the Ole Bazooka and Boris Kunk goes down. There is, there's a brief, uh, Ricky does do the King Victory Flash as well. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you. So they, they stack up a couple of finishing moves on him and he goes down. Yeah. So they do that. And then, uh, Bummer the Great, like yells at Acha and Kocha and he's like, if this, mo- if they kill this guy, I'm just dismantling you. Like this is your last chance to get this right. Which seems a little harsh on Ancha and Kocha, like Bar this Bar Skunk is the one who lost the fight, but whatever. Um, so yeah, everybody just wants the... to dismantle Ancha and Kocha. Bomber the Great wants to do it. We know that Bacchus Wrath dismantled them and put them back together um, when he installed the system to uh, help them grow or make the monsters oh, grow. Oh yeah, that's right. And then also so... uh, Doctor Doctor Henna wanted to dismantle them. I forgot about that guy. I just the fact that he has not shown up again is Yeah, I don't think he's coming back. Like, dude. It bothers me. I don't think no, he's coming back. No, he doesn't. Back. I looked I told you this. I looked it up. That's the last episode that he's in. Which is crazy because Yeah, I don't know what I don't know what they would have done with him. But the fact that he was there as often as he was and then Yeah, it's not And then he's just gone. It's, it's just too if weird. If he was man. in one episode and never showed up again, that would be fine. If he was in two and never showed up again, that would be fine. But the fact that he was in three episodes and like at the in the third episode is like genuinely a menace to society and then right. just never Seems shows like up he's again. He's going to be important. Uh so anyways, he so the Ancha does the coach a hammer throw and uh we got a giant bar of skunk. Uh, so they summon the block of robos, but they still like, it's the same problem they had when they were giant or when they were small, like they can't get close to this dude. His attack is just too powerful. So they're sort of dodging behind. They're trying to dodge this now giant sized atomizing gas attack. And they're sort of dodging like behind buildings and buildings are just being atomized. So that seems very dangerous. Yeah. And then we cut, we cut to the headquarters and Chief is there, and he gets a smile on his face, and he's like, "Oh yeah, it's time for Tackle Boy." Okay, so here's what happens: the cannon sh- comes out of the base, and they shoot a giant. It's basically a giant, giant roller. Yeah, remember giant roller? It's we haven't gi- seen it in a while, but it's a giant. It's just a. It's just a very large, large wheel. So Tackle Boy, like lands and he is a football wheel 
Like, he turns into a humanoid robot. Yes. Who is smaller? Uh, he's smaller than uh, Blocker Robo. Mm-hmm. Maybe, like, I don't know, two-thirds the size? Yeah, I was going to say about two-thirds. Of Blanca Robo. So, like, but he lands in time, and he, he spins around very, very quickly and, like, blows the gas back at uh, back at Baraskog. Yeah. And then he attacks. Like, Tackle Boy attacks Baraskog. And he actually, he reminds me a lot of Tetra Boy. You know, th- like, it's the same sort of, he seems to move very quickly. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's... Uh, he doesn't have a pilot. Yeah, that is that is how he is in my notes. Uh, I, I say that... Uh, he's a real Tetra Boy. If Tetra Boy was a fo- had a football theme and turned into an exploding bowling ball, yeah, because that is what happens next. Is that once they've got Baraskunk on the ropes, they like he turns back into a wheel and Blanca Robo like bowls him at Baraskunk. Yeah, but he doesn't hit him as a wheel. Like as he approaches, he re-transforms into his humanoid form and like. Is becomes like a humanoid version of that robot, but is like sort of on fire, and then he hits him and it explodes. Yes, and then it's then that's kind of it for the episode, except that like they're very happy to welcome Tackle Boy to the family, and Tackle Boy sort of like jumps up on O Blocker's shoulders or his one shoulder. No, he doesn't. He's sort of like no. He sort of like picks him like he's holding him like. O Blocker, or I'm sorry, uh, Tackle Boy is like sitting in O Blocker's hand, and O Blocker is like, or Blocker Robo is like holding him, uh, which I like because that is a move that I do with uh, Sugar Bean. I just sort of like pick her up, and she just sits, and I lift her very high, and she gets a big kick out mm-hmm. of it. So I thought that was very cute. Uh, um, I like O Blocker. It's weird. The last like, the last couple of episodes have been a lot of new robots. Uh, which is great. Yeah, but and I'm not com- like listen. I'm not complaining. Um, I like new giant robots. I am a little bit surprised. It seems like they're really trying to get a bunch of them in now. Well, okay. Here's here's I my am... understanding of um O Ranger's reception, like when it was on, is that O Ranger's ratings were pretty low, but O Ranger's oh, okay. toy sales were like out of this world. And so I think that oh, maybe okay. they're getting near the end of the season. And they're like, man, I don't know. Nobody's watching this thing anymore. But if we make five new robots, we can like sell a bunch of merchandise. And then everyone will just like buy that and we'll have made our money back on the season. Got it. Got it. Well, that would make sense. Um, so that's really there. Actually, we don't get a final scene. It's just like, hooray, tackle boy. We'll keep working together. Um, so that's the end of that episode, Matt. But it's not the end of our episode, It's not the end of our episode, yeah. Because now we need to determine where Baraskunk goes on the Creature Royale. So let me say, I like Baraskunk a lot. I feel like he's got a cool look. Mm -hmm. He's got a neat attack. Uh, I feel like he's very self-aware, which I like that. I like that in a monster. He's like, let me do some farts. I could have done it from my mouth, but it's funnier to fart on you. So, so get at me. Um, okay, how do you feel he stacks up against Barra Darts? I like him a lot better than Barra okay. Darts. I mean, I like Barra Darts, don't get me wrong, but I think this guy is. You know what it is? Is that Barra Skunk has got some flair. He's got like, a definite flair. Like, he's got, yeah, he's got some swagger to him. Uh, and he does. He definitely, like, he fails his verbal dunk, but he is definitely farting on people. And he's destroyed a hundred planets! Okay, so let's go up to the top. What is our highest rated uh, Barra machine beast? Well, our, I don't know if he actually quite counts, because our very highest rated is Barra Revenger, who is, uh, like, the good-hearted... Oh, yeah, no, no, no. Barra's gunk is not up there. Yeah, so he's not there. So, uh, underneath that, is Barra Cactus, who actually is as high on the list because he also yeah, he's, because he loves his that's brother. Thing with a heart of so, gold. Um, yeah, so underneath that is actually Barra Darts in its spot number four. Okay. So so just above Barra Darts is Saragami the Ninja Monkey. Uh, and then it gets into Meteor Bam, Evil Mastermind Genius Kuroda, and Iron Mask Choryu. So actually Actually maybe maybe of, right above Barra Darts, because I don't know if I like him I more was gonna than say, uh, the Sarugame, the ninja monkey who like steals people like copies people's finishing moves yeah i was just gonna say i feel like you actually kind of got it in one with bara darts because right above him is is where i would put bara skunk 
So Boris Skunk comes in at slot number 40. Right on. On the uh, Creature Royale. So yeah. that is then going to do it for another episode of the Super Sentai Brothers. Uh, before we finish up here, I'd like to remind you all, you can email the show at supersentaibrothers at gmail.com. If you want to get any updates on future episodes or check out the things that we're talking about online, we are at Super Sentai Bros on Twitter. Uh, if you like the show, please remember that shining in the iTunes review section, there are five stars. Uh, rate, review, subscribe on iTunes or wherever it is that you find the show. That's what's going to help direct other people towards us, which is great. The show is produced by Retrograde Orbit Radio. If you would like to listen to any of the other great Retrograde Orbit Radio shows, you can do that at RetrogradeOrbitRadio.com. Once again, we are the Super Sentai Brothers. I'm Matt. I'm Dave. And we'll see you next week for the greatest show on Earth.